There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Benched with Bubba. It's episode 47. Going to recap the Open Championship over the weekend and get you some Canadian Open DFS preview talk. First off, my first guest, you should know him by now. You can find him on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods. Jesse is back. Jesse, how you doing? Doing well, Bubba. Good to be here again. Good, good. Another major in the books. Yep. Yep, pretty crazy stuff. And... We have a special guest. You can find him on Twitter at Big Bucks No Whammies. Bucks, how are we doing tonight? Doing well. How are you guys? Good, good. Good man. Good. Well, now that we got we got a threesome going here, this should be a lot of fun. Um, let's get right at it. The, the 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 open was pretty awesome. We got a little bit of everything. You got some of the weather. You got some of the just easy course action. You got some of the best actually playing like the best, unlike we've seen at some tournaments. Well, let's get right at it. Jordan Spieth's 13th hole <laughs> was one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen in golf. Even if I was playing with him, I would have told him to get his, his act together real quick. We'll start with you, Jesse. How would you have handled that um, whole situation? Literally, it was 22 minutes of him messing around. Yeah, I mean, I was actually talking to somebody about this earlier today, one of my buddies. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't watch it. I was on the golf course myself, but it was – notable enough for my dad to text me about it and, uh, and mention it to me. Um, so I, I mean, I'm not hundred percent sure what happened other than he blocked it way right. And then had to drop and drop again, apparently, um, to wait to where he finally got someplace where he could hit it. But I was telling my buddy earlier today, you know, if that's me, um, I'm easily taking a seven there mostly because a, we're not finding that ball probably. Um, but B there's no way I'm getting it down three strokes from where he hit it from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was probably the most impressive part was he – it was hilarious watching him go on the driving range through all the, you know, manufacturers' trailers and all that stuff. It, it looked like a scene out of, you know, playing at my muni course, but we don't have stuff that wide to hit it too freaking fairly to the right. Um, but the fact to say is, well, I guess technically third shot almost got to the green and he saved bogey was pretty darn impressive. But, um, Bucks, what were your thoughts? And kind of what I want to know is Kuchar's literally sitting there taking a knee. If he wanted to be a, a, an asshole, basically, he could have put him on the clock or asked for him to be put on the clock. So, like, what was your thoughts on it? Would you put him on the clock? Like, there could have been at least a handle this, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I think – so, it, it was funny. I literally turned on the TV. I watched some of the front nine 
turned on the TV right when he hit his tee shot, and all I saw was shot tracker go four miles right. Um, and so the, the whole situation was out there, man. Him finding the ball number one and then him standing on the top of that dune for like 10 minutes trying to figure out yardages, and then all of a sudden Kuchar's taking a knee and just waiting. I mean, Kuchar's too nice of a guy to do anything about it. Um, and I respect him for it, but I think if you put anybody else in that situation, well, maybe not anybody else, but if you put a lot of people in that situation, they probably would have mentioned something to the rules official. I think you mentioned it earlier. It was like 22 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that. Um, but I thought it was, uh, honestly really impressive. It sucked for Kucher cause I think he was kind of on a roll. Um, but I think, I thought it was incredibly impressive that, one, they took advantage of the rule book to bring it back into a place where he could actually hit it from. But two, I think the more impressive part was the fact that they figured out a decent yardage. And so I was reading a little bit about it earlier, and apparently Jordan was thinking it was like 270 to the front edge, and he was going to hit three wood. And then uh, Geller had to step in and basically say, no, I'm, I'm almost positive it's like 230, just hit three iron. And – uh Apparently Jordan pulled out three iron and it was, he blocked that one too, but it worked out. But it was, I mean, the first 22 minutes of me watching the back nine was Spieth walking around trying to figure out what the hell was going on. So it was, uh, it was impressive. The fact that he made bogey because most people in that situation, especially being, I think it was three over that point would have just tanked or two over that point. But it was impressive. I feel bad for Kucher because I think he could have taken advantage of that situation. Um, he's too nice of a guy to do it, but that definitely definitely was a huge swing in momentum. Oh, yeah, because even after leaving that hole, I believe they were all tied up at eight under. But it ha it, it's basically a, a moral victory for Spieth going, I, I'm still tied for first right now, and that could have turned into a triple or a quad in a heartbeat. And then we, we think of the Masters all over again, and it just continues to go downhill. And then we'll kind of move on. You see um, he comes back, I believe it was the next hole or the hole after he makes that just insane eagle putt. And when he just points, there's no other focus I've ever seen on a guy. That's like, that's like, that's like Tiger when he's in the zone. That was literally like, yep. Go, like there's a quote that, that he said, basically, I pointed telling my guy to go just pick up the ball for me. <laughs> so um, yeah, we'll, we'll go back. We'll go back to Jesse on this one. What do you just think of Jordan's overall? I'd say dominance is not a far fetched word the way he played this week. And just how do you think his open experience was? Yeah, I mean, pretty much from start to finish. I mean, if, if Jordan Spieth gets out on the golf course and he's making 20, 30 footers, you can pretty much go ahead and just give him the trophy on Thursday. Uh, Cause if he's doing that, um, the rest of his game is good enough to where uh, he can pretty much dominate anywhere. And, and the finish he had after he, he talked about after that bogey he made, he, then he almost holds out on the next hole. I think it went right by the hole and makes a birdie. Then sinks a 60 footer for Eagle, then birdie birdie par to finish out um, to somehow come back to one, one under on the day after bogeying three of his first four holes. I mean, you know, the guy's mental game um, is second to none, uh, but his, his short game is is just incredible too. I mean, his putting ability is insane, and he's fun to watch when he's on. 
Um, he's even funner whenever I roster him, which I didn't do enough this week. But um, you know, that's another story. But when, when he's when he's putting like that and playing like that, when he's zoned in like he was, you know, it's it's really really fun to watch that kind of golf. Yeah, that's kind of what we talked about on the the DFS show last week. We said uh, Spieth has a great shot because out of the top tier guys for the fact that he's hitting the ball better. He's hit it maybe in his whole career from tee to green and he just hasn't put well at all this year. And that's always his bread and butter. And you kind of had that feeling, like you said, after, after Thursday's round, you were just like, Oh, that's not good. <laughs> that's yeah. not good. Yeah. Uh, Bucks, what were your thoughts on uh, his performance? You know, becoming only the second guy besides Jack Nicholas to have three major championships before the age of 24. It's just very impressive what he did. What, what are your thoughts on that? It is, yeah. I mean, it's super impressive as a guy growing up in the Tiger era. Seeing uh, seeing something like Jordan is pretty fun to watch. I mean, you have to respect his talent. Um, this week, I thought it was really interesting because, like you said, he hadn't been putting well the, the previous few months, um, and he comes into this tournament. And honestly, from watching him most of the four days. Uh, I don't think he hit the ball great off the tee. He missed a ton of fairways, but he hit a ton of greens. And when he missed a green, I don't know if you guys you guys obviously watched a bunch, but when he missed a green, he missed it pretty bad. But he made some incredible up and downs. I mean, his his wedge game this week was phenomenal. And obviously he got the putter rolling, which which helped, but it was uh I was thinking about this and talking with somebody about this yesterday. I mean, you put his tee shots on 90% of the courses on tour and he's out of it like no chance but he his recovery this week and his mental game was just on point it was awesome yeah and that that's what makes links golf so fun that's why a hacker like myself loves it because I can miss it a fairway to the right and still have a shot coming in it's it's a beautiful thing um and that was one of the things it's good you mentioned that because I was watching the rounds and he, he was his driver was horrible yep. It was I'm – sitting, I'm sitting there going, put the goddamn thing away. Like, get your three iron off the tee. Whatever it takes, just keep it in the fairway. It was really, really bad. And, um, yeah, it was something else and very impressive. And, and it goes to show you when people think, like, you know, winning at the Travelers might not have been that important. That's really good for the momentum coming into something like this for a guy that had been struggling. So, a lot to take away, and it's going to be fun looking at speak down the line. Um, I'll ask one more question for the both of you. We'll start with Jesse here. So going into the PGA now, he um, he needs the PGA for the career grand slam. Him and Rory both need the PGA for the career grand slam. Jesse, any thoughts on that? Ah, uh, you know it's uh, it's super early to call that. It, that that golf course too is totally different. Um, you know he can't he can't hit driver like he did uh, at the Open. Um, when he gets the PJ championship, he'll be in a lot of trouble. It's also a lot longer too. Um, you know, I don't know how many times I said it in the chat, all the chats that we're in, but um, you know, I, I kept saying he's, it's going to eventually bite him. He's eventually going to make a big number when he, and he didn't, he scrambled his way out of it. Um, one good thing about a links golf course like that is there's no trees. When he gets the PJ championship, when he gets to quail hollow, there's a lot more trees. Um, there's a lot more water, and it's just a lot more trouble if you get that wayward. So, I mean, we'll see. I hope he plays a time or two coming up here so we'll be able to see exactly where the driver's at. But he's going to have to straighten that out if he's going to contend at Quill Hollow. What about you, Buck? Um, 
I really hope they end up pairing them together because mm-hmm. I can't wait to watch that. But I will be 100% on Rory that week. That is his home course, it feels like, from the way he plays there every year. Um, so I'm excited to see Rory come back. And you guys know me well enough. I, I typically try to stay away from a lot of the high-priced guys and fade those guys fairly often. Um, but Quail Hollow is just one of those places that I don't see any way to get away from playing Rory, um, especially after his run the last couple of days um, at the Open. We'll see how he plays leading up to it, but I'd, I'd like to say Jordan definitely has a shot, but if Rory's on his game, there's nobody that's going to touch him there. And that's the biggest thing. I really, really hope they find a way to pair those two up because that'll be must-see TV for a couple of rounds. Regardless of the outcome, that'll be just outstanding. Yeah. Um, let's move on to some other action. My pick to win, I did mention speed at a great chance. I'm going to preface that. But my pick <laughs> to win on the podcast was Matt Kuchar. And I just want to say, Kuchar, he almost made me look like a genius. And it takes a lot to make this guy look like a genius. But it was so close. It was so close. Um, Jesse, I know we had a little back and forth with an individual on the Twitter yesterday. A, do you think he'll ever win a major? And B, do you think he cares about ever winning a major? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, anytime you're at, you're playing sports at this high of a level, um, you care and you're a competitor um, because you've grown up your whole entire life competing. That's pretty much all you know. You want to win. You want to win. You want to win. And he had a pretty good quote after the round yesterday where he talked about how disappointed he was. Um, and I believe that uh, the thing is, like in golf especially, playing at that high level in a major doesn't happen very often. Um, Cooch is a great golfer, but he's not an elite, elite talent like a Dustin Johnson or a Rory McIlroy or a Jordan Spieth. So those chances for him are even fewer than the rest of those guys. Um, I'd love to say yes, uh, and I hope it happens, and I'll continue to root, root for him. But it's just it's hard to tell um, if, you know, He's getting to that age, too, where he's starting to get a little bit older. Um, so that could work to his advantage or it could be, you know, disadvantage, especially on the longer golf courses, you know, like Quill Hollow. I don't, I wouldn't like him too awful much there. But going back to the British, you know, um, I think he can maybe compete at Augusta every now and again. So we'll see. Um, but, yeah, it was disappointing to see him lose. I, I was rooting hard for him, not only because you picked him, but, you know, I had him on way more rosters than Jordan Speed. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was. It, you made a really good point there. It's um, he's not like the longest hitter in the world. So the occasional British Open course, the occasional U.S. Open course, like when they go to Pebble or basically the Masters, those are his only chances. Otherwise, he's pretty much SOL on the situation. So that was that might be the last great shot he had. And when you're tied at eight under with a what, five six holes to go. And then watch Jordan Spieth go full inferno on the course. That's that's got to be tough. Bucks, what do you what do you take out of Kuchar's uh, weekend? Pretty similar to Jesse. I, I just think that I mean Kuchar is amazing, great talent. Um, seems to always be hanging around there. I mean he he leads. He's one of the leaders on tour in top tens. I mean just just one of those guys that's always there. Um, but. It's going to take a British Open, a U.S. Open that's playing pretty tough for him to kind of grind it out and be around the leaderboard. I mean, you guys saw 
um, kind of the way that he finished in his game. I don't think, and especially when you look at his stats, I don't think he's ever going to be that guy that goes super low and shoots 18, 20 under um, at a major, um, which is why I think over the last couple of years that the Masters has been out of reach. But I think it's going to take one of those plotting golf courses that is even par or couple under that he has a shot at, which these days is we don't see it too often anymore. So I think it can happen, but there's so much talent on tour now. Um, and so many guys that are not only accurate, but long, um, that it's going to take um, a really special setup for him to take advantage of it. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Jesse, let's talk about uh, some surprise performances. What were some of the more surprising guys to you uh, over the weekend? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, overall, I thought it was a really, really good leaderboard. Um, a lot of big names up top there. A lot of names in contention pretty much for the whole entire week, which is really fun. When, when golf is, you know, played with the biggest names out there. Um, one guy that jumps out to me, and I, I looked at his name over and over again. He was hopping my mind. I just totally passed on him. Um, but I played him so much. Xander Chaffelet, he, uh, you know, shot five under – or no, yeah, five under on Sunday to finish top top 20, which is incredible for somebody as young as he is, but also, you know, is kind of new to the PGA Tour as he is. So he's one of my most surprising and – uh you know, just, I mean, coming in third, how Tong Lee out of nowhere shoots, you know, 63 on Sunday. I, you know, he was nowhere on my radar. Even though I did have him in that big pool that we're in, uh, in that chat um, for Great White Buffalo. I had him for some reason, but <laughs> it didn't help any because I was so far behind in that speed. What about you, Bucks? What are some of the surprising performances <laughs> that you from the weekend? First – F, Hal Tong Lee, that <laughs> guy. Yeah. But, that, I mean, that has to be up there. I mean, he uh, he played incredibly well on the weekend. I mean, if he even sniffed a piece of those numbers the first couple of days, he's right there with, with Spieth. Um, but, honestly, my biggest surprise, and it should come as no surprise, but with as bad as he's been playing, uh, was, honestly, Rory McIlroy. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, – I didn't. Ex- I expected him to barely make the cut and be middling around the 40th, 35th, 40th range, something like that. Um, but he played really well, got hot late, um, dominated some of those par fives. Um, and so that's even more reason why I'm on him for the PGA, um, just because I think he's starting to turn that corner and get that confidence back. Um, as long as he can dial in that tailor-made driver, he's going to be really, really tough. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. I was all anti-Rory. I must have jinxed it all when I tweeted it out. And then he, that right, right after that, like almost, I, I had, I had the freaking DJ mic effect. It was, it was right after it finished. It just blew up in my face, and <laughs> it was impressive. I, I don't mind seeing Rory be successful. I like him. I like the. We've talked about it many times. I like the yeah. the big names being on top. It's great. It was just I didn't see it coming this week, uh, but you yeah. know. You weren't the only one. I mean, there was a lot of people tweeting out about how bad he was when he started out. Well, he five over. He was seven percent owned. Yeah, R- Rory. <laughs> yeah, you'll never see that with him again, ever. Ever. <laughs> yeah, but like him, we'll, we'll get in more to Brendan Grace's sixty-two, which that's almost like 
where did Lee come from? Where the hell did that come from? Because you look at the rest of his rounds, even, four over, even. Yeah. Um, but another guy we kind of talked about last week, Jesse, that it really got my attention. He kind of faded off, but he wasn't that bad. He still finished four under was Brooks Kopka because we were wondering how good he'd really come out after not playing since the U.S. Open. And he played extremely well, just kind of, you know, hit some speed bumps. But overall, didn't play horrible. And um, I was pretty impressed by that. You can go on and on the list, as we usually do, and there are a lot of really impressive things. But let's talk about some of the disappointing things. And, Bucks, we'll kick this off with you. What were some of the more disappointing performances? Well, I mean, mainly because I rostered them. Um, <laughs> Phil, Mickelson, out Phil Mickelson was number one for me. I really thought that, especially if the weather got bad, that he'd have a uh, really solid chance at hanging around um, and then making a run on the weekend. Um, but he tanked it hard on Friday, and obviously the weather was terrible, um, but he was probably my biggest surprise. Outside of that, um, and it, it, I guess it shouldn't be too much surprise, we were kind of um, given notice, but Ustazen, man, I mean, that was awful. It, that was uh, the one guy that I thought was going to be pretty safe. I think he was, what, 100% cuts? Maybe? Yeah like that coming into it um but i mean the way that he played and i watched a little piece of it and some of the highlights he wasn't just playing bad i mean he was all over the place missing putts i mean he was just mentally checked out it seemed um and so th those were two surprise ones burn weisberger was another surprise for me and then uh the the sensation ryan fox another surprise he had been one of the hottest golfers on the planet coming into it. I know it was super cheap, but I thought he'd at least give it a shot. And he uh, missed the cut by one, which hurts a little bit, but it was still surprising to me. I thought he'd uh, come in there raring to go. What about you, Jesse? Yeah, those are the – well, Usti and Phil were two of the ones that I had listed there. Um, and – that my, my third one would be Justin Thomas. I didn't play him because I knew this was a possibility, but he's three under after the first day and sitting in like the top, at least the top 10, maybe top five, and then fires 80 <laughs> in the second day. Uh, I mean, 80, you know, in a major championship, which is obviously very doable in the wind, the rain, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, as a professional, that's a pretty big swing, 13 shots from one day to the next. So he'd probably be my uh, – my top disappointing performance there um, as far as that goes. But, yeah, I was on Burned as well. You know, he, he, he was mediocre at best, which kind of surprised me. But his ownership was way down. Yeah. Um, had he played way better, you know, things would have been a lot better money-wise for me this weekend. But also, man, I mean, those days, I don't know what happened to him. I really don't. Obviously, it's something, um, like you said, we were, we were warned about it and failed to heed the advice we're smart um but you know ah, that's golf man yep yeah as you know usti was probably my highest owned guy on all my lineups and he ruined some absolute gym five out of sixes like literally ruined them he ruined them before i woke up probably on the west coast on thursday um <laughs> but uh it's it was that was massively disappointing Justin Thomas's was great because you know that implosion is there. And, hey, he partied it up like a rock star for two days after that. Screw it. What do I care? But His you, Snapchat was good on Sunday. I watched that because you guys mentioned that. That was really good. 
Oh, I, I've been following him, I think, since Hawaii this year. He is on fire with that thing. Yeah, it's, okay. it's crazy what he comes up with. They, um, they, they had to have told him to shut it off for partying. Like, yeah. Because like, after, like, 9 o'clock, he didn't have anything. <laughs> yeah, it was after that one picture of Zach, Zach Johnson and Kiz by the trophy. It was over after that. It was like, no more. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you speak <laughs> These people probably called up and said, hey, no more jinking out of the jug on uh, social media, please. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, there was a handful that we were big on, like Sink, Haas, Steel. Some guys we thought were, like, you know, quote-unquote safe cut makers just got destroyed out there. And in reality, they got destroyed on days when the weather wasn't that bad, which was the confusing part. Exactly. That's, where, that's where it got really weird. But I digress. Let's talk DFS, which we've kind of hinted at all along. <laughs> Jesse, I'm pretty sure we know how most of our weeks went. But Jesse, how did your week go? Yeah, um, so DraftKings for me was I hit my main lineup hit six out of six. It, it was okay. It ended up kind of uh, getting some of my money back as far as that goes. Um, it wasn't great, but six out of six was about twenty percent. So it didn't necessarily guarantee that you cash like it would in some other weeks. Um, which was a little frustrating, but at the same time, some contests, some of the smaller contests that I was in, I was the only six out of six, so it ended up working out pretty well. Um, and I ended up late, uh, thir- late Wednesday night uh, chasing some what I was thinking would be over overlay on FanDuel, ended up not really being there, and um, tried to chase that down, and that was actually ended up being the best part of my weekend was playing over on FanDuel versus um, uh, versus playing on DraftKings, so. Millie Maker for me once again didn't win it, uh, so I just have to win the next one, I guess. What about you, Bucks? How'd it go? It was a uh, it was a, a fun week, but it was probably my worst week of the year so far. But that's uh, that's part of DFS, and you guys know I don't dabble in anything but GPPs, and so. It comes with the territory. You're going to have some really good weeks and some really bad weeks. And with uh, I, I had Phil in about 75% of my lineups. And in the others, I had Ryan Fox and Weisberger. And so uh, I got in some weekend golf. And so that was that was a little profitable. But still, overall, it was a uh, really bad week. But it was fun. Dabbled in a little bit of FanDuel, like Jesse said. Um, made a little bit of money there. But. Overall, down week, but it was good. A lot, a lot of the guys that I expected to come through um, came through, which was nice. Just a couple of those core plays were were out there. Yeah, my Usti just destroyed me, like I said. The, my core of, like, Poulter, Kucher, and those guys are great, but Poulter didn't do anything on the weekend. Going into the weekend, I had looked like I was going to have a great time. Great. Uh, it looked like I was going to go Dustin Johnson on the place, but it, 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 it turned into, you know, Poulter disappears. Johnson shoots like seven over on Sunday and I wake up hung over to just a disaster. So yeah, it was rather disappointing. It looked so promising. I thought I was going to just have a great time and then just boom goes the dynamite as they say, and it blew up everywhere. So yeah, we move on, but the bright side is, is we did hit a lot of the picks. We liked a lot. Just we had all we all had one that just we liked too much that destroyed us is what it came down to. Well, and that, that's but, that, that's what happens most weeks is you are, oh, yeah. you're always going to have a couple guys that don't perform, but 
it just so happened this week that it was like one guy on every lineup that ruined it, which typically I'll have a couple of the guys that miss on the same lineup. And so the damage is minimized, but this week with, um, and then you got the guys like Ricky, which were 50%, 40% owned, something like that. Um, and I had a large share of it as well. Um, didn't perform, underperformed. So it was a, it was a tough week, but it was incredibly fun to watch. Um, only because a lot of those higher price guys that were like five, six, seven, eight percent owned, they actually performed. And so the people that took a shot on them paid off. Yeah, the, the the open, the British Open, as I still call it, it's my it's my favorite one to watch on TV. I know the Masters is awesome, and the Masters is probably the tournament I like the most. But the Open is just fun to watch. It's early in the morning. It's it's so different. I just something about it. I like I like it a lot. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, tell us about the Million Maker winning lineup. What do we have there? Yeah. Uh, so dude won a million dollars. I think he won it by like a point or two. Um, it was really close, but. Rafa Cabrera-Bello uh, coming in at 10.9% owned. Of course, Matt Kuchar, very expected, almost 30% owned. Rory McIlroy, like you already talked about, Bucks, 6.3% owned in the Millie Maker. Now, if you would have given me over under 20% three months ago on Rory McIlroy and the British Open, the Open Championship, I would have taken the over all day, every day, hammered it. That's a gut uh, six star. 6.3%. Um, I think DJ was like right around 7% too, which is just, yep. it's baffling. But I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I didn't expect them to be that low. I think that I thought they would be low, but just for name recognition alone, I thought they would be in the 15% range. But in the single digits is baffling to me. Spieth, who was only 20% owned, which, you know, at 20% owned, getting the winner is, is, is pretty good, especially a winner like big name like Jordan Spieth. And then the other side, Andy Sullivan, who finished like uh, he didn't play that well. I, I he was like what. he was like fiftieth or something. Mm-hmm. Tied seventieth. Seventieth, which is crazy for a millie maker winning lineup to have a guy not there. Crazy. The key was for this guy in particular was how Tom Lee point five percent on him. So yeah. dude probably sitting maybe in three hundredth pre how Tom Lee going completely bonkers now if you i also would have thought maybe grace would be on this given he shot a 62 but you know so yeah that's that's the lineup i mean he basically you know got the the big scores obviously with mcelroy kuchar and spieth and then somehow snuck lee on there and i mean and a high 70th guy <laughs> i mean that's what it comes down to i mean there, there's probably a thousand or more lineups that have all five of those guys and then he throws in lee and that's the difference. Yep. Right. That is correct. Um, yeah. Before we completely move on from the open, let's talk about some of the big names. We kind of hinted around them. We'll just go down a list here, and if there's any other ones you want to talk about, we can bring them up at the end. The Bucks will kick it off with you. Uh, Dustin Johnson was having a good week until uh, – let me find him. I have to keep scrolling down because of that Sunday incident. Um, and then everything just went – went haywire like someone gave him baking soda on saturday night or something and it just <laughs> it went really really bad and um what do you think the future is for dustin because it looked like he might have been figuring out kind of how rory was and then he implodes and um he's gonna go play in canada this week but what do you think dustin has come for him 
Yeah, I mean, from watching a lot of them um, and then looking at the stats, it wasn't too surprising to see kind of that implosion on Sunday. I mean, he hit the ball so bad. I mean, he he hit his driver and his off the tee, he was atrocious. He missed a ton of greens. I think he was like 40% on GIR, something 44. like that. Yeah, and then he was like, what, 40% hitting fairways, something like that. He, he he led the field though in like one putts and uh, least amount of putts and around and that kind of stuff because he was getting up and down from everywhere and that's what kept him in it at least till the end of the final day there. But he hit the ball terrible. But I think with a guy like Dustin, he has so much talent there. Um, it's he's due. I mean, he he's gonna come around at some point in time. It's gonna take like one good round. And he's going to be back. And so, I mean, if you look at all the stat categories, he's still top 10 in a ton, ton of different stats, even after playing terrible the last few weeks. Um, but, I mean, I think he's going to be back sooner than later. And honestly, this week, well, I know we'll talk about it in a little bit, but I'm going to be rostering him this week. I think his ownership will be down um, probably pretty close to where it was this week or this past week. Um, but he's too good not to come through at some point in time. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Jesse, what are your thoughts on uh, Rory McIlroy? We talked about how he – Bucks has talked about it a bit. Um, he really showed lots of signs of life this weekend. Is Rory back, or are we still a little ways away? Um, you know, that's a, that's a great question because he's, he's pretty much dead in the water after six holes, five over through six, shoots 39 on the front on Thursday – and then somehow, which I, you know, the the front nine was paying was playing harder all week than the back nine because there's two par fives on the back nine. But anyways, comes back and fires 32 on the back. Um, you know, they shoot 71 and just come in at one over. And then in the bad, the quote unquote bad weather, the next day shoots two under. Now he kind of got out, and I think in a good portion, but he um, he showed some signs, man. He showed some real signs, uh, like Bucks already mentioned. You know, attack the par fives. Um, pretty much birdied them all. Had a couple bogeys in there, but you know, if Roy McIlroy is attacking par five, scoring on par fives, um, he's really, 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 really hard to handle uh, in a golf tournament because he's gonna he's gonna go low. Um, just can he limit the big number? Which for the most part he did. He had one double um, on the week, which is which is a good sign to me that he's not you know all over the place or whatever. So. You know, I hope I hope both him and Dustin are are on their way back. Dustin, you know, it's just a really weird, weird week. A seventy-seven on Sunday is just baffling to me, especially after a bogey-free sixty-four the day before. Yeah, could have been a bacon soda. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it could have been. Uh, we'll ask because ask Pat Mayo. He's got all the jokes for it. Um, <laughs> uh, Bucks. Jesse and I talked a lot last week about Brooks Kafka and what he could do. He showed he, he, he's still playing really, really good golf. Like he was going into the Open, wins the Open. Now he's at the British Open. Um, a, what do you think of his weekend? And B, I'm kind of thinking the way he hits it long, he makes for a nice play at the PGA. But what are your thoughts on uh, on Brooks's weekend? Yeah, I thought it was impressive. He hits the ball, like you said, super long. Um, and he kept it in play most of the weekend. Um, but the nice thing about Brooks is – he hit a ton of greens this week. Um, he missed a, a lot of key putts, it seemed like. Um, 
but overall, I mean, he kept himself in play all all day. Every day he was in play, um, middle of the green here, middle of the green there. Um, he did make a few putts, but um, I didn't roster him, and that was primarily because he had taken such a long break from the U.S. Open. And so I was a little uh, hesitant that his game was going to be ready. Um, but, yeah, he, he hit the ball great again. And so I think uh, he has the game to kind of uh, overpower golf courses um, the way – a few guys on tour can. Um, and I think with the changes that you're going to see at the PGA, there's a ton less trees um, at Quail Hollow this year. Um, I, I think it's going to suit his eye. Um, and as long as he can keep it in play, not, not necessarily in the fairway, but keep it in play, I think he makes a really strong case um, to play him again. Sweet. Uh, I think he, he fits perfectly for that, in my opinion. Uh, we'll go to Ricky here. Ricky Fowler, Jesse. Uh, there's a lot of mixed reviews coming in. You know, ownership. Why should people use him? Is he going to keep playing great? I said he was playing the best golf of his career coming into it, so he looked good to me. Um, he, he just kind of petered around. Of course, he made the cut, but overall, was this a good weekend for Ricky or just a disappointing weekend? Um, I think anytime you top 25 in a major, that's a pretty good weekend myself but you know for somebody of ricky fowler standards that's probably not what he was obviously shooting for i'd say top five is at least the goal minimum there but you know he came in dfs wise at like 40 percent owned in the million maker which completely baffled me i think it was all a lot of price driven but also just name driven um but either way you know if you rostered him you're disappointed because you probably if you start with with Ricky, you're not getting the rest of these guys who actually did well. So you probably didn't have a great week. So a lot of people are probably disappointed. I'd say Ricky's disappointed. Um, I'm just like, you know, kind of indifferent. I wasn't on really that much to begin with. He did have one decent round. Everything else was one over. I mean, just kind of blah golf. I think one of his big issues was kind of the putter. He didn't, he didn't putt very well. He's hitting about 30 putts around. So it's not very good for a pro. Right, Bucks. Last guy on the list, and we can go do a couple more if we want. Uh, one I'm curious about because he literally goes 69, goes one under, then six over, then five under, then one over. What are we gonna do with Jason Day? It's like there's one round where he looks like he's back, and then another round he looks like just a disaster again. I, I don't know what to do with the guy. What do you, what's your thoughts on him over the weekend? Yeah, he's a. I was looking at some of his stats, and obviously his scorecards earlier and. I, I think he's right there, man. I think he's he's close to, to truly being back. But those last three holes on Friday, playing him double double bogey, bogey, double bogey, I think derailed any shot he had at truly giving it a run. But honestly, if, if he plays those holes at, at even par or something like that, um, I, I think he's right up there with Kuchar and Spieth and not having any issues with it. Um, but – Again, he he got so dominant for so long because he would murder that driver, and it was so accurate, um, and he was just blowing it by people and stuffing it close. I mean, he was truly dominant for a while there, um, but he's lost that, man. His driver was really bad most of the week, um, put him in some really bad spots. Um, I think he is lucky to have gotten to the weekend with the way you finished on Friday, but 
I think he's close. It's it's another one of those Dustin Johnsons that, and Rory McIlroy that, is so talented. It's 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 not going to be too long before he comes back and starts uh, winning golf tournaments and being a perennial top ten guy. Um, but I think it, for him, it's all about confidence. He'll get it back though. All right, I'm going to ask a couple more just off the wall here. First for you, Jesse. I see a scorecard with a 66, a 77, a 67, and a 67. Is there ever going to be a time when we roster Paul Casey where he doesn't blow up? Yeah. Well, he did play in some terrible weather. So, I mean, I'll, I'll give him a pass on that as far as that goes. But, yeah, you're, if you're, you're right. If he can just squeak out an even par two or maybe a two over round there, he's in contention and we win a lot more money again. But I guess it'll probably be whenever I quit saying he's going to win golf tournaments. That'll be the time. So on the next one, the PJ championship, if I don't pick Paul Casey, he's probably going to win. Just keep that in mind. But other than that, dude, I mean, it's that one round, um, you know, blew our chances there, blew his chances. But other than that, I mean, he played a pretty solid golf. No big numbers on the scorecard, just a bunch of bogeys on, on Friday. But it was a tough day. Yeah. Hey, Bucks, I got one for you. John Rahm actually didn't play horrible. He had the, the four-over round on Friday. Like you guys were saying, the weather wasn't great. So, still not bad. Overall, though, he played pretty decent, not going to contend. Do you think he's still the mental midget we like to think he is or – this week can maybe help him out a little bit. I definitely think he's um, he's definitely got some mental issues there. I mean, even from watching him, um, and he'll learn this as he has some more years on tour, that kind of thing. But I, I think he wears himself out being so emotionally invested in every shot, which is great. But I mean, he hit some shots I was watching on uh, Saturday, and he wasn't playing terrible. Um, but he, he'd have a stretch of three or four holes where he was playing really great and have one bad shot, slamming his club into some dunes and throwing his club back to his caddy and yelling and this and that. And um, he's definitely got some issues there still. And I do think it not cost him a ton, but a stroke here, a stroke there. I mean, that's pretty big in some of those situations. Um, but that being said, it goes the opposite way too. When he gets on a roll, he is hot. I mean, real hot. And so he can rattle off some birdies like nobody on tour right now. Um, but again, if things get going sour, he, uh, he definitely has a chance to implode like we've seen in the past. Yeah. No doubt about it. Well, I could ask about players all day. Let's get on to the coverage and Johnny Miller strikes again. I know after the, we like to bomb on Johnny on this, but he kind of does it to himself. Um, people don't forget when uh, at the at the U.S. Open when uh, JT shoots his 63, Miller, you know, couldn't help but give a few jabs about how things are different these days. Well, when Brendan Grace goes out and shoots a 62 to break the best record in a major, I have the quote, the quote here. Um, first off, Justin Thomas throws a great one at, uh, at Johnny Miller, if you haven't seen this. He says, Johnny Miller about to go full Buffalo Wild Wings commercial on Brendan Grace. <laughs> You've seen the commercial. You'll get it. That was good. So don't think Justin Thomas forgets things. But then afterwards, Miller gets back, and he tries to be nice, but he still is the dick that he is. He says, 
his answer to Gray's is they did set the course up really easy today, folks, but it's still an excellent round. Um, <laughs> and, well, I know your thoughts on this one, Jesse, but can we just get Johnny Miller off the broadcast forever? Just put Faraday in the booth. Faraday was amazing. Yeah, I, I like Faraday. I, I could deal with Faraday all day, every day, but I've heard he's leaving semi soon. So, you know, I, I don't know who they were going to get to replace him. The rest of the NBC crew, I actually, you know, I can deal with. Um, for the most part, they do a good job, you know. And so I, I, I really enjoyed the coverage. I mean, 15 straight hours of golf. And thankfully, it wasn't full time Johnny Miller. So you got a lot of time in there. Um, but one thing we talked about quite a bit on Friday, too, was the how bad these guys are at predicting the cut in particular, Nick, you know, Nick Faldo, he's just clueless when it comes to the cut. I mean, the, the golf course is playing at like a 75 and he thinks it's going to stay at three over and it keeps trending. It's trending back to five. I mean, it's just, it baffles me. But other than that, man, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, I enjoyed watching the hours of golf and waking up watching golf, you know, till work was over. Yeah. That part was really nice. Bucks, what are your thoughts on Johnny Miller? Cause we've ranted on him before. What are your thoughts on him, and, and what can we do to get him out of the booth? Well, I have one – I have two words written down next to his name. It just says, he sucks. <laughs> but I think um, – I mean, I respect uh, the talent that he had back in the day, but he's got to give people at their moments, man. I mean, what, what Grace did was incredible. I mean, on a day that the average score was I don't know, 10 shots or more higher than – than that I mean what he did was pretty pretty special and Johnny Miller like he always does seems to ruin the moment um so I I enjoyed the coverage too I think Johnny Miller should go um but Bones was awesome man I really really liked listening to Bones and all, all this behind the scenes stuff and him talking about the different caddies and that kind of thing that was cool um who was it Laura Davies too um, she was really good, man. She, when Nick Fowler was talking about the cut and it being two over and three over, Davies was like, I think it's more trending around five, six, something like that. She was like, I doubt it gets to six, but it's, it's moving that direction. So I thought she was awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, honestly, I had it on most of the time and just muted it. So it was, it was pretty sweet seeing 15 straight hours of golf and being, being able to keep up with it all. But um, yeah, I think if they uh, if they got rid of Miller and put Bones in there, that would be phenomenal. Yeah, and I, I got a question for you because the coverage was really, really good. And I loved how it was on pretty much all day because the way they tee off over there, they don't split it up. Do right. you think that's any – is that ever a thing you think they'd st like start to do more often in the U.S.? I, Either of you guys can think about it. I would like them to. I mean, I think it makes sense. And kind of the Masters does it kind of. Um, they'll give you select holes and groups, that kind of thing. Um, but they should. I mean, at some point in time, and I've I've thought about this for a while, but at some point in time, coverage is going to give you the ability to, like, choose a group and just follow particular groups around um, rather than having to watch actual coverage. Um, they'll let you select players and stuff like that. I think that would be really cool. Um, the one thing I will say about the coverage, though, that I wish the open app had was Shot Tracker. Yeah. So for, the, for the times that I couldn't kind of watch and follow along, um, I'd be on the app kind of keeping up with scores. Um, but not having Shot Tracker, kudos to the PJ Tour app because I missed it this week. I know it's really bad at times, but it, it's uh, 
it's definitely a nice little luxury to have. Yes, definitely. All right, last thing before the DFS. We mentioned it a few times. Next major is the PGA Championship coming up in August. Um, goes to Quail Hollow, former or former home of the Wells Fargo, but they did a lots of words or lots of work to it. Um, early thoughts, Jesse. Yeah, I mean, uh, Buck's kind of hit on it earlier. I think it's going to be a, a bombers type of golf course. So, Corey, DJ, um, and the, the, I think Brooks has a great shot there too. Uh, one weird thing about it, though, the last time they had the Wells Fargo there, I think it was James Hahn and Roberto Castro in a playoff or whatever. So, it could get weird. <laughs> Interesting. What do you got, Bucks? Yeah, I mean, it's um, I'm excited to see it. I've I've seen um, a few pictures of the new layout and mainly them taking some of the trees away and with uh, some of the holes being more wide open, some of the really white sand bunkers. It honestly reminded me a lot of Augusta, and I know there's no other place like Augusta, but there were some holes that really resembled it. And so, um, the cool thing about the PGA this year is it's at a course that we have tons and tons of data um, to support some of these players that are going to be playing in it. Um, just with the, with Quail Hollow being there on tour for however many years, 11, 12 years now. Um, but I think it'll be really cool to see kind of how it all plays out with the new changes. They obviously went from a bent grass to a Bermuda. Um, some of the Bermuda, the, the rough, uh, I'm sure they're going to make really thick at times. So, I do think that a bomber can get after it, um, but you do have to take into consideration some of the accuracy. But I think it's going to be awesome, man. I can't wait for the PGA this year just because it's a familiar course, and I'm interested yeah. to see how they set it up for a major. Yeah, definitely. And uh, another name that kind of I'm keeping in my back, the back of my mind for when we get into it is Bellows playing really good golf right now, and that could be a sneaky course for him as well. Yeah. But uh, let's get in to this week's DFS action. If anybody's curious, this is going to be a weekly occurrence. If Jesse and I can make it work with our schedules, which we should, we are going to bring you guys DFS every week from now on. And hopefully our wonderful future golf sponsor, Snell Golf Balls, cares to join us on this weekly occurrence. That was a freebie, Snell. They don't come free from now on. Um, Team Snell. Let's get in the Canadian Open, the RBC Canadian Open. It's at Glen Abbey Golf Clubs in Ontario, Canada, um, you know, the par 72, I think there's four reachable par fives. We've got uh, four par threes. So, or no, five par fives, my bad. So, yeah, there's going to be some serious, serious scoring that can be done on this golf course, Jack Nicholas course. You got lots of water, good amount of trees. So, you can't just, you know, stripe it everywhere, but you can still have some fun out here. Um, any, anybody else got anything intriguing about the course? Yeah, I think you touched on it. I mean, for me, um, another course with a ton of history, so it's pretty cool to have a, a good stat package to look at. But um, it seems like for me the stats that I'm kind of looking at this week are um, obviously fairways and greens are important, but it seems like greens and regulation from that 125 to 150 mark are huge this week. Uh, birdie or better on par fours. And then, honestly, the big stat that I'm looking at this week are birdie and birdie or better on par five. So last year out of the, I was looking at it earlier, there were uh, 
a little over 1,600 birdies made last year in the tournament, and 800 of them were on par fives. So 50% of the birdies came on those par fives. So huge uptick for the par five stats, the guys that can uh, get to the greens. And two, all of the par fives are reachable. So I'm looking at scorers, number one, um, especially the, the longer guys that can get to the par fives. And then those guys that hit it long and can get into those wedge ranges, like 125 to 150, I think that's going to be the sweet spot this week. Definitely. Uh, Jesse, do you have any uh, history for us on this tournament? Yeah, so uh, last year, I was just looking at this leaderboard last year. I mean, it's kind of star-studded. You got Jonathan Vegas, who shot eight under to basically come out of nowhere and win. But it was just scrolling down through the leaderboard, and there was three other rounds on that Sunday of minus nine, which is pretty incredible. So three people shot 63 on Sunday at this tournament last year. Brian Harmon, Ogilvy, and uh, – uh, C- George Kotze. Um, South African. South African, yeah. He plays on Euro- European tour mostly, but he's a bomber. Um, and then, you know, if I look at the top of the leaderboard, a lot of bombers up there. John Rahm second, Martin Lair- Mar- Martin Laird, uh, whatever, DJ up there. Um, so, and then uh, previous to that, uh, the, the tournament was played here in 2015 as well. Jason Day won. 2014 was a different location. 2013, Brant Snedeker won, who already withdrew from this golf tournament. So we'll go ahead and put that out there. Brant Snedeker is out, but he did win it in 2013. So Vegas Day and Sned's your last three winners here. And if you look at it, um, the last two years at this course, they only won by a stroke. You got uh, Dustin Johnson runner-up 16, like you said, and in 2013, Kucher runner-up in 13. So you got some guys in the field – Given you don't know how you know fresh they're going to be and all, but there are some guys with some nice history at this course. Um, let's get into the picks. That's what everybody cares about, anyways. They probably fast forwarded here, so let's just get into the picks. Uh, well, there's three guys over 10k: DJ Kucher, Hoffman, Charlie Hoffman, who made me look good for one round, and then he imploded as expected for Charlie Hoffman. Um, Bucks, let's start it off with you. you. You mentioned Dustin Johnson. What are you looking at in these top three? Yeah, I mean, the, the really weird thing about this event is how thin it is up top. And uh, I do like Charlie Hoffman, but at 10-3, I'm not going to get behind him. I think there's a lot of value below um, in the 8K range, that kind of thing. But um, Kucher, it's hard to bet against him. But coming off that uh, emotional week last last week and kind of I know that it was a, uh, a roller coaster for him and mentally exhausting – I'm probably going to fade him this week. And, and I'm not saying he won't come in the top 20 because he probably will. But at that price, I need him to be top five, top three to really get some value out of it. Um, the, the one guy, just because I can do it with roster construction from playing around with it already, the one guy I will be playing is DJ. Um, I think he's due. I think he needs a, a place where he's familiar and comfortable. And I think that gives it to him. Plus, when you look at the stats where even in his bad tournaments, he's still dominating his par fives and being in that wedge range. So I, I think he, uh, he pulls it out this week. Um, and again, at that price, I need him to be top two, top three. Um, but I'm banking on him winning this week. So he's the only guy up top that I'm really going to play. 
Yeah, all, all really good points. Um, I can't reiterate enough. I know Jesse and I have talked about it in the past. It's not these guys aren't qualified to play well, but at that price tag, you definitely need them to finish well. And that's something that, like yeah. you said, Kucher's got a great chance of making the cut. That's what he does. But if he finishes 38th, it's not going to do you a darn bit of good at 11-4. No. Yep. So it's nothing. It's nothing against him. And like you said, after that, that he's going to be so emotionally drained, physically drained right now. I I, I love Kutcher, but uh, that's tough to say. Jesse, what are you thinking up top? Yeah, I mean the, the other thing with Kutcher that that really makes me not want to play him is that more than likely, especially in large GPP, he's going to be really chalky. I mean he's going to be probably twenty twenty five percent, which in this type of field is going to be probably the highest owned, you know, if not very close to the highest owned. So, you know, factoring in everything else you guys just talked about, I totally agree with, um, you know, it's pretty hard to bounce back from uh, what he just went through. Um, I mean, I think he can do it, but I'll probably end up choosing to be on the other side. I think Charlie Hoffman is actually a good GPP pivot off of Kuchar because there's another guy right below Hoffman, which we'll talk about in a minute, Tony Finau. And so he's sandwiched in a kind of an area where Hoffman could come in lower owned, totally on the DJ train. Um, you know, he flashed some some good golf last week, good enough for me to, to put on some GPP teams for sure. Uh, I don't think he's cash worthy, but either way, um, yeah, I mean, so I would, I would I would probably go DJ, Charlie, and Kuchar. It's just weird pricing again, three people above 10K. It's just weird. Yep. Yeah, I'm all in with you guys on Johnson. I'm not going to like go all in like I did with Usti, but uh, <laughs> but I, I might go all in with them like I did on Kucher, which is almost as bad as Usti last week. I like DJ a lot, but then I, I totally agree, Jesse. I like Hoffman just for the fact that I know we've just said Kucher has to meet the price tag. Well, with Charlie, it, it's all or nothing with Charlie, so that's why I think it makes him a really intriguing GPP play because no one's going to own him. Right. Yeah. No one. And um, – it, 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 the fact that no one owns them, even like a top 15 might justify the price just for the fact of his ownership level. Like I saw, you mentioned with the Millie maker lineup, you know, Lee was a 0.5%. I know his price was cheap, but you know what I'm saying? It makes a big yeah. difference there. Yeah. So yeah, I will definitely have Hoffman. I might have more of than I might go all in. It might be a make or break type deal. Not a hundred percent, but a good chunk of Hoffman because that could be a big difference maker. Um, We'll get below nine, uh, 10,000 now. We'll go ahead to 9,000. Snedeker already with Drew, so we will ignore him. Again, a great guy for withdrawing early for somebody else, um, unlike Phil Mickelson. Tony Finau, 9,500. Bubba Watson, 94. Furyk, 91. And Kevin Chappell at 9,000 bucks. Get it started. Yeah, I think um, I could get behind a little bit of Chappell. Um, not huge on him. Furyk, um I can't get behind right now. I mean, he could show up any week, but he is not a good par five scorer. Um, he's mediocre even on the par four scoring. The only guy in this range that I'm really targeting with any confidence, um, and even that's shaky. This range is terrible, by the way. But, <laughs> yes. But um, Finale is the only one that I'm, I'm going after this week, even a little bit. And I'll, I'll be under-owned on him anyways. But, I mean, Finale – he, he birdies over 50% of his par five. So you're looking at eight to 10 under right there minimum. So if he can get it going with uh, some of the wedges, I think he's uh, got a chance to get to that. I put the market 15 to 16 under that you got to get to, to have a chance. So I think um, if he gets his wedges going, he can definitely get there. Um, he's 34th in 
um, GIR from 125 to 150. So between that and the par fives, I think he's got a chance as long as his putter's working because he's not a good putter. Jesse, what are you thinking about the $9,000 range? No love for Bubba at all, Bucks, you don't think? I can't get behind him, man. I, I, I And I'm a lefty. I want to. <laughs> but. I'm with you, Bucks. I'm with you. But uh, No, I, I mean, I, I don't like him either. I, he, he makes – he's intriguing, though, in GPPs because he did, yeah. um, you know, flash a little bit of form last week uh, with the 69-73, 72-71 um to i think finish it one over which it wasn't is which is, isn't terrible um especially for somebody like him who's playing in a major and get a lot of trouble playing in bad weather yada 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 so he kind of kept it together last week and he's been i don't know man it, he's it's it's a lot of money to pay for for somebody who you really could legit i can legitimately see missing a cut so i, I totally get it I'm, a, I'm i'm with you dude this pricing is awful the more i look at it the more it pisses me off it's about like last week I don't know how there's only four guys in $9,000 range. So, you know, Finau is pretty much the only legitimate option up here besides Chapel. I'll play Chapel, but how Jim Furyk is $9,100 is beyond me. Nope. I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll be honest. I'm shocked, shocked that Graham DeLay is under, like, 9500 this week. I thought, yeah. they, I thought they were going to put him at, like, 95 9600 and really lower his ownership, but – and they they really screwed that one up. You know, it's his course crazy. history is terrible. His course history. I mean, what they're doing is they're they're they are they are pretty much in, somehow injecting course history into their pricing model now. It used to be pretty much based off of Vegas odds. Well, now they've got a lot of course history in there because if you look at Jim Furyk's course history, it's pretty much off the charts. He's thirteenth, fourth, ninth, fourteenth, whereas the delay is miscut, withdrew, miscut, forty sixth. Yep. And that, and that's the thing that I think you got to keep in mind with this course that's a little different. Um, a lot of the par fives these guys are playing week to week are super long, and only the long guys are going to get there. But this week, those par fives are really gettable, even for the guys like Furyk. Um, yeah, I'm still not going to get behind them, but um, <laughs> I think this week opens a door for some of the mid range players that can pump it out there a little bit, um, but they can't typically overpower a golf course, but I mean, you're playing at a little bit of elevation here at what is it, 7,200 yards? That's like, that's like me playing a 6,400 yard course. I mean, it's it's gonna be a cake for some of these guys. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you guys on Finau. Uh, he's about the only guy I like in this range. Could definitely see him playing on Sunday in the in the later groups. Um, Bubba is intriguing. I agree with you, Jesse, just for the fact he did play well, but. Even as a lefty myself, I cannot get behind a guy that can't use a white golf ball. A white golf ball. Get it together, my friend. Yeah. Imagine if he was the one that hit that shot speed hit. They never would have found it. Oh, 100%. Um, and then, like you said, Furek, nothing against the man, but the way he's played recent form and everything, no. Chappie, maybe, might sprinkle him in, but Fina's about the only guy, like you guys said, that even garners a longer look than maybe. Um, See, the, other issue, the other issue with this pricing is Fina is going to be – 20% owned. And chalky. it's you know, so fading him in GBPs is totally, you know, it's, it makes sense. Yep. Anyway. It makes sense, but it's also the strategy we've talked about. Okay, take that chalk and go different elsewhere. Yeah. If, if, you, like, if, you, like, if, if you like him a lot. For sure. 
makes it contrarian, then you go play a guy like Furyk instead of him in the same price range. And if he just makes a top 20, you're happy as can be. Yeah. But that's a big if. Um, let's go to the 8,000 range. You got Keegan at 89, our boy Keegan. Um, Lingmurth, Poulter, Lowry, Holmes, English, Dillette, Martin, Shelton, Cantley, Chalk, Lee, and our boy coming off the W, Grayson, Grayson Murray. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's that's that was well, well, you know, well deserved. Too bad the Barbasol wasn't on DraftKings. Um, I know. Jesse, kick us off with uh, the eight thousand range to cover some of the guys you're looking at. Well, apparently, if the Barbasol was on DraftKings, everybody on Twitter would have won all the money. So keep that in mind. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. I bet fifteen times yesterday. Anyways. Uh, um, you know, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at in this range. I like Dane Lee, just kind of depending on his, uh, depending on his injury update. If we can hear something about him, but I think he's in a great bounce back spot here, where his ownership will be down. Um, I do think Cantlay will be chalkier. Ben Martin is a guy I can get behind. Um, you know, at this golf tournament, he's tre- he's been trending up. Only appeared here once last year, missed the cut, but has been making a lot of cuts in a row here um, on the tour more recently. Delay, you know, that's kind of a weird one for me because of that bad course history we just talked about. But he he has played well this year. And then I I do like some J.B. Holmes this week. I'll be on J.B. Um, I like his ability, you know, pound it out there. He missed the cut last year but did have a 16th in 09 and has made a bunch of cuts in a row here on tour, with including a ninth at the Green Bar, you know, a few weeks back. So. Interesting. What are you looking at, Bucks? Yeah, I mean, I'm in the same realm. So the guys that I'm targeting right now in this range, um, I agree, Jesse. I think Danny Lee is in, is screaming for a bounce back week. I mean, he was on fire then with the WD, which killed me um, yeah. that week. But I think Danny Lee is somebody I'll be targeting depending on some news that I hear. Um, the guy that I'm not all in on, but I think he'll be in. I, and again, I only do maybe three rosters a week. So I'm in those three max entries, the 333, that kind of thing. But in at least one, may, probably two of my lineups, I'll have delay. Um, he's fifth in greens and regulation from 125 to 150, 21st in proximity, the same distance, 24th in birdies on par fours. He makes 41% of uh, par five birdies. And then he's 27th in putting. His stats are off the chart. Course history, I'm hoping, uh, has some people fading him this week. Um, I do think he'll be chalky, but he's just one of those guys that fits in in that price range that I like. Cantlay's another guy that I think will be super chalky, but stats are going to be off the charts. I think he's going to win sometime in the ne- next uh, couple months. Super talented. Um and then the only other guy that I might have a piece of is Martin. Um, but with the other guys in that price range, and I know we'll get to it here in a minute, but I'm probably going to be more on delay and can't lay than anybody. Do, do either one of you know why can't lay hasn't played since the Memorial in June? No. No, I mean, no, I don't, honestly. Maybe it's uh, he only has a certain number of medical exemptions or something like that. Yeah, that could be it. But I don't know. That's just odd because he played several weeks in a – well, actually, he, I mean, he played 
Memorial, and then the players, which was three weeks before that, and then a month before that at the Heritage. So it's been kind of a weird schedule. Yeah. Um, this 8K range is outstanding. I, I have no problem picking a chunk out of here, which makes playing guys like DJ even easier. Um, as you guys know from my chats, obviously the listeners don't know, I am one of the most anti-Keegan Bradley people on the planet, and I will have – some Keegan this week. He's playing, he's playing really well right now. And um, I'll look, I'm not going to go deep on him, but I'm going to look at him. JB Holmes. I love your Dillette uh, takes there, Bucks. There's a lot to like with that. And then I like Ben Martin quite a bit. He's really playing good golf right now. Yep. So um, I got no problem. Those will probably be like my four main guys. Um, only thing I worry about with guys like Holmes, like Lowry, Pol- Poulter, and those guys and, we, you know, we didn't really say it about the other guys is I'll ask right now, what are your guys' thoughts on guys that just played in England and are coming over this weekend? Yeah, I think it's a little bit tough. Um, I think that a lot of those guys, depending on how they finish, it could be uh, pretty mentally exhausting. But, I mean, those guys, obviously, it's different um, for, I think, the Americans that go over there. But those guys like Poulter and Lowry – um, they do that fairly often. And so I know they flew from uh, – they flew over last night for the most part, and so they should have no problem catching up on the sleep and that kind of stuff by the time the tournament kicks off. Um, I'd be more worried about the number of weeks they've played in a row um, more so than kind of the jet lag factor. And so that, that's, that's one reason why I'm uh, kind of off Poulter. He's been playing really well of late, but he's played a ton of weeks in a row now. So, Yeah, I agree with that. Well, I mean, th- you got to look at like this, though, too. Last year, this golf tournament was sandwiched right between the PGA. It was a PGA or British, I think, and then this tournament and then the other one. So it was right in between two majors because of the Olympics. Yep. Um, and there were still some high finishes from, you know, Dustin Johnson finished second, Rom finished second. Played in both those. Um, Kucher finished ninth, so it's not as big of a deal. I think that it's made out to be. I think it is a factor, um, but you know these guys are professionals, and you know they're going to take today to rest, chill out, relax. You know, get back at it tomorrow, and you know go out and probably maybe play eighteen nine holes tomorrow and take it easy. I mean, they're not going to be overdoing it playing you know thirty six holes a day on this golf course to get prepared for it. Most of them know it, so yep, not a huge deal. I think. Okay, let's do the uh, 79, and we'll stop it at 75 because this 7K range has like 40 golfers, it feels like. So let's break it up here and kind of just give your best ones you, you like. And I uh, got Gary Woodland, Nick Taylor, Kang, Swafford, Kelly Kraft, McDowell, Kevin Tway, who's always been on our radar, Lahiri, James Hahn, List, Vaughn Taylor, Jez Reavy, Chad Campbell, Curtis Luck, Ogilvy, Pond, Stallings, and that'll wrap it up. Jesse, kick us off in this top half of the 7K range. Yeah, so this pricing model that um, that DraftKings used is actually called the roster Dustin Johnson with anybody you want to in the field model. So that's what that's what this particular one is called. That's why we have a billion people between eight and seven thousand. Um, so guys, I'm on this week. I like Hudson Swafford a lot. Uh, I'll be on Gary Woodland again. Ches Reavy. Um, has been trending up in the right direction. He's a uh, guy has been playing really well here recently, coming off a of 14th uh, at this golf course, this golf tournament last year. Um, those are my three main ones in that kind of area. I think I'll sprinkle in some Kevin Tway because I can't not roster Kevin Tway. 
He's your American Paul Casey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bucks, what are you looking at in his middle range? Uh, s- similar to Jesse, um, I do have – this is kind of like my sweet spot, honestly, um, this week, this in that 8K range. But Woodland, I, I'm on him this week, 12th in that GIR from 125 to 150. Uh, obviously a good par five score. I think it's over 45%. And then he's in the top 50 in par four scoring too. So this is a guy that can, can go low at any moment. I think he can overpower the golf course as long as he keeps it in play. But even then proximity this week isn't too, too important. Um, but Revy, huge on, I'm, I'm probably going to be uh, over owned or over uh, saturated with Revy this week. Um, he's in the, Outside of the par five scoring, which I know is super important, he's in the top uh, 25 in every other major stat category that I look at. So if he can uh, get to some of those par fives being a little shorter, then I think he has a really, really good week. Um, The other guy that I'm going to play this week is uh, Sung Kang. I'll probably have him in one of my three to four lineups. Um, Really great in most of the stat categories. Um, Again, really really good par five score so i'll play him um the one guy that i was looking at um and i wanted to play i just couldn't get behind and these these guys i get behind quite a quite a bit um curtis luck i seem to always go with those guys that are gonna kind of new on tour have a ton of talent um and i'll be on them until they kind of break out um so i think luck is gonna break out sometime fairly soon but from looking at kind of his past performances and some of the stats i just can't get behind him he's, he's no good on par fives so i'm gonna stay away fair enough i'm with you guys on gary woodland i'm afraid he might be chalky but uh he really at that price tag it's almost it's too good which may be too good to be true but he shouldn't be 79 it's like like you said jesse it's a stupid pricing model like, that's just wrong um yeah. I can't not play a little play. And um, one guy I'm looking at besides Chase Revy is James Hahn. Kind of pops out to me a little bit, playing some really good golf. Snuck into the open thanks to Sneds. Didn't play the greatest golf, but was playing really good coming into that. And another guy which I think will be really, really low owned is 7,500 is Chad Campbell, who's had three straight really, really good rounds of golf. Given the Barbasol, you know, wasn't the biggest tournament in the world, but it still was a, a tournament. We've got a T18, T12, T9 his last three trips out there. So, Chad, we know, can compete if he's, you know, hitting it right. Yeah. So, those are the guys I'm looking at in the 7,500 range. Cool. I can get behind that. I like I like James Hahn as well just because he does attack par fives. He's a he's a par five scorer. And like you said, Chad Campbell, like I said, has really good par five – or uh, really good course history. I almost mentioned his name, um, but – Failed to, so good call on that. Um, and, you know, James Hahn, I believe, is Team PXG, and P- Team PXG always finds its way up top. At least somebody from Team PXG is up there flashing that logo. So Better expensive as those clubs are. Yeah, no shit. Well, I can go into that holster. Callaway and t- Taylor May are trying to go that route, too. But um, let's go 74 and below. You got No, Hadwin, Kaufman, Barnes. Our voice Cubmaker Sink hasn't been making cuts lately. Kirk, Blom, O'Hare, Herman, Munoz, Ollie, Ruiz, Villegas. Good God, I'm not going to keep saying them. Who else do you have done? This is way too many people. My God. 
Uh, Bucks, kick us off. It's, I'm still scrolling. Bucks, what do you got in the 78 to 7400 range? This is ridiculous. The defending champion, seven thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. I think there's only a couple guys here that I'm possibly looking at. O'Hare is one of them. I'll definitely be playing O'Hare um, in at least one of my lineups. I think he um, he's been playing really good golf this year. I think he's uh, again a guy that I think has a chance to come in top five. Um, represents a ton of value, good par five scorer, um, can get streaky with the putter. Um, so I'll be targeting O'Hare. The only other guy that I was looking at kind of in this price range um, was, and I'm not, somebody in our group really likes this guy. I think it might be Gup, um, but Joel Dahman, he's another guy that has some uh, pretty good stats as far as par four, uh, proximity GIR from 125, and then he's a good par five score. So at 7,100, I think he'll be super low owned with all those names around him. Um, so I'll probably sprinkle him in a little bit. Yeah, that's not bad. I can see that. What do you got on this one, Jesse? I usually roster Dalman. I don't know if I think Bucks, I think Gup's, Gup has been on him as well, but I've like been on Dalman for like <laughs> three weeks and he's lost me money every week because he's. I, I don't know. He's just weird. He, I don't know. Anyways, so um, it's kind of a weird zone. I'm not a huge fan of this region, but like, there's guys like Nick Nick Watney who I will play. Patrick Rogers, who's interesting to me because 32nd here in 2016 and coming off a second at the John Deere Classic. Now, can he repeat that? I don't know. Um, but that's interesting at that price. I'll probably take a chance on um, on him in a, in a lineup or three. Um, and then, you know, there's also other guys down here in this range who I think will garner some attention. Um, I'm not really sure about Sean O'Hare. I, I'd like to know how – that'll depend for me on how highly touted he is because it seems like more recently there has been um, – a lot of people have noticed how good he's been playing more recently and they've rostered him. I've just seen more chatter about him. Um, but Ollie Schneider James is down this region too. He'll kind of be he'll be he'll be dependent for me as well on ownership projections. Um, and another guy which I mentioned earlier, one of our chats is Jared Detroit. I don't know how you even say that. Seventy two hundred dollars. I don't know how you say T O I T in Canadian. Um, Tweet ninth here last year. Um, and then what did you say he was? Uh, he played golf at Arizona State with uh, John Rombucks. Yep. Yeah, he had a. So, uh, he has something like 13 or 14 top 10s in two years there, so he's uh, he's definitely a player. Yeah, I mean, at 7,200, he's going to be probably less than 1% owned. Oh, um, sure. I'll, go, I'll go light on him, but I think he's interesting. He just jumped out to me when I was scrolling down earlier, like, who is this guy? And then you mentioned that, and I looked into him, to him more, and I'm like, well, now I have to play him because he'll top 10 otherwise. Yep. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I like that just from listening to you guys, I'll jump on your Detroit bandwagon. I'm guessing it's a Detroit. Detroit, okay. I'm going to go with Detroit. Um, Smiley is not on the list, but one GPP one. A lot of these to me are just GPP guys, and I'm hoping they're just cut makers at the least. But a guy that could fit in this course, especially because, you know, the bombing ability to the par five scoring, but it's literally a crapshoot every time. He'll, he'll do great in the first round, the second round can implode. Am I really crazy for looking at Ricky Barnes at seventy four hundred? Yeah, I don't think so. He, he finished top five here last year, so I, he was fifth. I think last he played year, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11, 11. before. 
Um, um, no. He stands out as a GPP dart. Uh, another one I kind of like, it's kind of another all or nothing in this range is Ryan Blom playing some pretty decent golf yep. coming in. He, he makes it uh, interesting. Ollie should be chalky, but another piece of chalk, if you don't have too much chalk in your lineup, might be, quote, unquote, one of the safer plays. I like your Detroit, uh pick. And then I had a list here. Like Patrick Rogers is intriguing. I like Neil Watney just for the consistency he brings to the golf course. That's something that makes you feel a little better with your punts. And then one that I've been using quite a bit, where the heck did he go? Um, he's 7K, and it's John Randolph. He doesn't light the world on fire, but he plays very consistently. He makes cuts. The last two rounds, he barely snuck in there. But prior to those rounds, he was getting top 30 finishes, which at 7K, I will take all day long. So yeah. that's the guys I'm looking at there. I'd rather stay, like you said earlier, stay 75 or above. There's so many options there in the 8K range. You really don't need to dip down there, but at the same time, that can make these super low-owned and quite intriguing. So the 6K's got another 40, 50 golfers, um, so I'm not going to name them off. Uh, Bucks, kick us off with some of the the 6K and under – or $6,900 and under guys you're looking at. Yeah, I think there's only um... – with kind of the way that this week set up, I don't think you need to go too low. Um, but if you're going to roster DJ, you got to kind of dip down in here, at least with one guy. So I think th there's a couple guys I'm targeting here. Um, the first guy I'll target is 6,600 bucks and that's Sabatini. Um, he's top 35 in most of the stack categories I'm looking at. The only stack category he's not um, really performing well in is putting. Um, but I'm hoping with some of the green sizes here that he, sh he shouldn't need to stick it that close um, to make a few putts. So uh, I'm going to roster Sabatini in a couple lineups this week. I think he, uh, I think he's been playing really well too. So he should be a pretty uh, interesting play. I'm hoping he isn't, I mean, any guy that low is not going to be chalky, but I, I really want to see him at like two, 3%, something like that. Um, two other guys, McGirt, Dirt McGirt. I'm going to get behind him a little bit. I think he, uh, he's streaky. He's just one of those guys that you want to hit on the right week. Um, so I might have a little bit of him and then Michael Kim, we've been on him for a while. Uh, I think in that price range, and I think I've mentioned him kind of in, uh, Jesse's write up a few times, but he is a cut machine. And so being that low, I think, uh, I think you could do much worse with some guys much higher price than Mike Kim. Yep. Jesse, what are you looking at down here? Yeah, I'll be, uh, I'm 100% I'm on board with not really going down in this range too often much, but I think one guy who is totally mispriced in this field is Trey Mullinax. Yep. Yeah, for that sure. reason, I might be 100% <laughs> Trey. Um, been on him for a few weeks running, but he also. Uh, finished 19th last week at the – no, I, I'm not sure what he finished at the Barbershaw. He finished 19th at the John Deere. Um, so, nice little top 20 there. And just been training in the right direction as far as his golf game goes. I think he's going to break through sometime soon. Kills it. Um, and then back to par fives. All – everything that we want on this golf course. Um, I'm going to have probably a little piece of Jason Kokrak. And then I'll also look at um, – there's one more golfer down here toward the bottom – Robert Garrigus, he's intriguing to me at 6,600. Not a good course history, um, but he's a he's, he's kind of like a Dirt McGirt kind of guy. He can be streaky. 
Um, so I'm going to consider him and look into him a little bit more um, as the week goes on and whether, decide whether or not to roster him. But like Buck said, I don't really think you need to even have to get down here, but yeah. I'm going to for sure because of, you know, Mullinax. I'm, I'm, I'm putting Mullinax on just about every team I have. Where do you think Mullinax is going to be ownership-wise? Uh, he's probably going to be – I mean, just because – I think the only reason that he's not going to be higher-owned is because he's this cheap. Um, you know, I would put him right around 10 to 15%. He's still not that popular of a name, really. Uh, but, you know, we can also project that a little bit better once we figure out how highly touted he is this week. Um but even at 10, 15%, I'm still all over, especially in large GPPs. Yeah, I think um, whatever DJ is, he'll be uh, a little under that because I think anybody that rosters DJ is going to dip down here and they're going to see his name and kind of really swing with him. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with that for, um, I mean, especially like guys who follow golf week in, week out. But if you don't follow golf week in, week out, if you just made you a little money last week on the British Open and, you see DJ, then you come down here. You're not really going to know very many of these yeah. names. I think. You know, I mean, Ernie Els. Uh, I mean, other than that, who else do you know down here? If you're, you know, Joe, whoever, golfer, fan, or whatever. So, I think for that reason, he's going to be a little bit on our own. But we'll see how highly touted he is. That's really what's going to be the deciding factor, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he'll be around six or seven percent, which is fine. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, for me down here, Trey Malonix is the one that stuck out the most, just like you, Jesse. Um, really good young player. And he was, I believe he was on your young player list to start the year. So Trey, yeah. Trey's definitely on the radar. Another guy, Brendan Hagee, playing some really good golf of late at 69, if you want to get in there. Um, yeah, long hitter. Um, and then some other guys, like, like you guys, I'm on the same page. I don't even want to be down here if I don't have to be. But guys like Seamus Power at 68 is playing some pretty good golf right now. Or Seamus, I guess I probably said it wrong. He's playing <laughs> really well. I like your I like your Kim pick. And then Garrigus and Cockrock, like you said, they're kind of all or nothing guys. Um, but they can get streaky, especially Garrigus. I wrote him a lot last year. And especially this time of year, kind of the second half of the year, he kind of finds his courses he likes to play. But mainly for me, if I come down here, it's Mullinex, Hagee, and Power, if at yeah. all. But you could almost play those three guys – at low ownership and hope they make the cut and then get like Finau, Hoffman, and DJ probably. I'm just guessing. I haven't even looked. And that's not a horrible lineup, and no one's going to have that. So just – well, you might now. But uh, I'm just saying that's a sneaky, weird angle, which I don't recommend, but sneaky. Um, let's talk um, – what are your core guys, Jesse? Um, I, I, I really want to be all over Finau, but I think – it's, if I play cash, which I think I play a little bit this week, I'm gonna have definitely have Finau. Um, GPP wise, it's gonna be kind of tout dependent, looking at fan share and stuff like that. Um, but I already mentioned Mullinax all over him, Woodland, I'll be all over him, and I'm gonna play a lot of Hudson Swafford this week. Um, his stats are line up to what I wanted to see this week, so he's kind of trending back to where we want to be. So I have a lot of Hudson Swafford. I like that quite a bit. What are you looking at, uh, Bucks? Yeah, my core will probably be um, DJ, Delay, Reevy. Um, I'll probably sprinkle in some Canlay, Woodland, Finau, Kang, Sabatini. Um, but but honestly, my only uh, 
kind of two, three guys that I'm going to roster 100% are DJ, DeLay, and Reeby. So if they play well this week, I should probably win some money. Yeah, it's weird. Like last week I had a pretty solid core I built around. Like outside of Finau, I don't have like a, a sure fire thing. There's probably 15 other guys I wouldn't mind mixing around with Finau. Like as bad as that sounds, I know it's not very helpful, but those, those guys gave you big numbers. And um, as the week goes on, like I told them before we broadcasted, I just got to look at these these lines tonight. So I got to dig in some more. But for now, Finau stands out as a – a core guy for me, and I'll go around that with some of the seven and eight guys. You can build some pretty solid lineups just with that alone without having to go too deep. For sure. Uh, what We kind of hit, hinted on it. Let's just recap it real quick. Bucks, what are some of the big names you are just not touching at all? Um, pretty much everybody not named DJ. I mean, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think I will sprinkle in some finale, but Furick, Hoffman, Kucher. And again, it's only because I only play a couple lineups every week. Um, but those are the guys that I'm fading this week. And I'm going to stick primarily primarily with DJ. Um, but there's some other guys that I think will be chalky, like Cantlay, that I probably will avoid for the most part. I'll probably have him in one of my lineups. But um, just for pure ownership, I'm going to avoid him for the most part. I like it. What about you, Jesse? Yeah, uh, probably won't get too awful much on the Cooch train. Um, I'm kind of the opposite of, of Bucks there. I play a lot of lineups every week. Um, I'll have one main cash lineup, and, and I won't have Coocher on it um, or probably DJ even, but um, I'm, I'm not going to totally avoid either one of them. I'm not going to play Bubba. I won't play Jim Furyk. No Keegan, no Ling Murth, um, no Harris English. You know, just look, just going down the list there of the the top the guys up top, which are usually the most popular guys. So those those will be the guys that I'll be off of. Yep, I can't blame me for any of that. All right, let's finish it up here. Uh, Bucks, your pick, or a couple guys you think are going to win? Obviously, only one can win, but who's your pick? Yeah, I mean, I'll I have to say DJ, but outside of DJ, um, I really think that. Uh, Two guys I think are poised to kind of uh, do well just looking at some uh, course history, some recent form, some stats, that kind of thing. And that's Graham DeLay, obviously, talked about him. And then I really do like Sabatini this week. He's been playing well. He can make some birdies. Um, and then Cantlay's due to win at some point in time. I don't think he does it this week, but he'll be up there, I think. What about you, Jesse? Uh, yeah, I like uh, somebody like Finau um, to probably win. He just kind of reminds me of Vegas of last year. Um, so I, I would pick uh, Finau to win. And I like Mullinax to sneak in the top five – or top ten, sorry. I like Mullinax to get a top ten this week if he doesn't win. And Finau is due, man. He is due. Yeah, yeah I, I like Tony quite a bit. That would be my guy if I had to pick one up top. Otherwise – I think it's going to be a lot of fun down below. Jesse shared a PGA tweet with me today that we've had eight straight winners in the 20s. And for anybody that's listened to any of our golf podcasts, Jesse and I are big on the youth of today. Like, there's some really great young golfers. in this tournament, like we talked in the eight, sevens, even part of the six with Trey Mullinex and company, there's a lot of good young golfers in this field that I wouldn't be surprised if, say, five or ten of them I could name off show up towards the end. Not surprised yep. at all. Yep. I think yep. Finau's that guy. 
but um, there's there's a handful down there in the sevens. There's going to be someone sneaky that could win this. That's going to win someone some serious cash. So let, let me ask you guys a question. So speaking of young guys, how chalky would DJ Mike's boy Grayson Murray be if he hadn't won last week? <laughs> yeah, that that that's why that's why I'm off of him because coming off that win now, everyone's going to probably be like, we've been kind of on the Grayson train for a while, yeah. and. It's been always low owned. He's got to get close to double digits for once, doesn't he? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so for sure. You can't. You can't roster Grayson Murray at eight thousand. No. I mean, I coming off I, a win, I don't care. I don't care if he's playing in a web.com event. I'm not rostering <laughs> him at eight thousand dollars. Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier. I think uh, yep. there's a couple ways to look at it. One, I'm not going to roster him, but that's probably more personal. Uh, than DFS reasons, but I don't know. With with a guy like that much talent and that many, obviously we know of the mental health issues. Um, I think, and the number one reason I'm not rostering him is because he is so hard to go back to back these days. Um, and so I want a guy that I think has a shot at winning. I don't think he has a shot at winning, but uh, with a guy that has had so many mental health issues, I think this uh, this win last week at the Barbasol got a huge monkey off his back, and so it would not surprise me to be one of those uh, for him to be one of those perennial like top twenty five guys that's always hanging around there. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. Like, it, it definitely, obviously, gets the monkey off the back or whatever, or it just send him over the deep end. Oh, you I know what I mean? I think he'll be checked out this week personally, but yeah. I'm surprised he hasn't withdrawn or if it doesn't withdraw with WD. I, you know, I don't know. But we, we we saw Sneds withdrew today with the injury. Do you think any of these other guys, especially the British Open players, like even a Kucher, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, we get a withdrawal in the next day or two? I don't know. I think they would have – If I think that if they were going to WD, they would have done it today. That way they give uh, the alternates plenty of time to get out there and, and get some practice in. Um, yeah, the one guy so I, I'm waiting to hear some news on is Daniel Lee. I mean – He's had over. He's had well yeah. over a week to kind of uh, recoup and get better and that kind of thing. But I don't know how serious it was, and so we'll just have yeah, to I'd like see. I'd like to hear something on that before I 100 percent like I'm yep. planning on doing. <laughs> Perfect. Well, that wraps it up, guys. Any final words, Jesse Bucks? Anything? Uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, Snell Golf for uh, shouting out the Junkies League. Can't wait to uh, have you guys sponsor our uh, podcast here. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, man. Snell, <laughs> I've got I've got a bunch. I played a bunch this weekend. Didn't lose one. Um, if you're looking for a good cheap golf ball, Snell's the way to go. They're actually pretty legit. I was a big Chrome Soft guy from Callaway. Can't really see much of a difference with them. They're pretty pretty darn solid golf balls. Yeah, I've been playing uh, the the Pro V1X for 12 years or something like that and um, got on Snell actually at – I found one at the Phoenix Open this year, Waste Management, um, when we were playing the day before, found one and hit it awesome. So looked them up and it's been awesome. Are you the one who started it, Bucks? Are you the one who started this whole phenomenon? Uh. Yeah, I, I might have been, yeah, with the junkies. 
you got Mike onto him. You got Mike onto him, and then he's now, and then he spread it too. And it's, but anyways, we, I, I've caught the bug, man. I've been playing them like my last three or four rounds, and I have no complaints. And for thirty bucks a, a dozen, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's a great deal. Well, Bucks, thanks for joining. You guys can find them on Twitter at Big Bucks No Lammies. And uh, Jesse, as always, a good time. Check out Jesse at DFS Golf Gods. Uh, good stuff, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you, boys. Thanks, Talk to you thanks for right. having me on. Talk Everybody, to this was Bench with Bubba, episode 47, your Open Championship recap and Canadian Open DFS preview. We'll catch you guys later. Life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance because you'll feel protected no matter how the wind blows. Also, you can keep enjoying the home of your dreams. And our expert agents can help you save up to 23% when you bundle home with auto. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.